have a Bible, you can click or turn to there, or if you want to use the one in the pew, uh, that's available. But I'm also going to have the passages up on the screen, so whatever is easiest for you. Uh, while you're turning there, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was um, going uh, get, to get on the train, and I walked up to the little Ventra uh, gate and the little sensor, and I held up my phone to get through, which is how I always do it. And it came up, does not work, stop. And, you know, sometimes that happens, and so I waited a second, put it back, still didn't work. Uh, did it again, uh, I don't know why this isn't working, pulled out my wallet, got my venture card out, that wasn't working. And I know I could see in the app that I had funds, I have no idea what's going on, so, so can't get into this train, trying to find a CTA person to help me, I'm a little get, you know, I can see, I know the train's coming, but just the fact of I don't want to walk home, so getting a little stressed out, like, okay, what's going on? And I hear somebody say, hey man, I got you. And this complete stranger, I have no idea who it was, just put their phone on the thing. You could see me kind of like probably just kind of frantically looking for somebody and let me through. And they were my hero, like this angel that showed up to let me through the venture thing. Um, I have no idea who that person was. I never had met them. I've never seen them. I haven't seen or talked to them since. But that dude, like I said, was in my hero in that moment. He was generous. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, generosity. How do we, become, uh, how do we express generosity to others? Uh, why do we do that as people who follow Jesus? Um, and why is that such an important part of our faith, uh, important aspect of who we are in Him? Last week, we talked about stewardship. And so the idea of how we manage our resources. And we said that we are called to manage them responsible, intentional, and missional. When it comes to being a follower of Jesus, generosity complements stewardship. Um, if stewardship is how we manage our resources, then generosity is how we utilize them. And so really, these are two sides of the same coin. No pun intended on that one. Um, and so today, we're going to be looking at and learning about generosity from two different stories. Um, one is the story of Jesus' followers who were living in Macedonia and the other is a story about a really sweet old lady. Uh, but before we get into their stories, let's pray and just to ask, God, ask that God would speak to us uh, through his word this morning. God, you are good and we praise you. We love you. We are grateful for your presence, the fact that we can be in your midst together, that we can, God, worship you, that we can pour out our hearts in gratitude for who you are and all that you've done. God, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would encourage and challenge us. God, you know the things that we are um, holding on to, the things that we're stressing about, the things we're planning, the things we're worrying about, dreaming about, and everything in between. And so, God, I pray that you would encourage us within those things, but I pray also that you would remove the distractions and that we could hear from you this morning. I pray that you would make your word clear to us and that we would uh, become not just hearers of it, but doers of it. And so I pray that you would move in this place, wherever anybody's listening, in your name we pray, amen. How many of you uh, growing up, how many of you ever heard of the game of life? Anybody ever play the game of life? All right. So the game of life, the regardless of um, how this game compares to other games, we're not going to get into any of that. But the game of life, the instructions are really clear. You're going through, you're navigating this whole board, you're trying to get your career and your education, your family and everything that is. But at the end of the day, the, the instructions are really clear about what you're trying to accomplish. The player with the highest dollar amount wins. That's what it comes down to. 
At the very end of the game, once you get to Millionaire Acres or whatever it is, you get to this ending, ending point, you take everything that you've accumulated, you take everything that you've gained, you add it up, and whoever has the most is the winner. And so you need a strategy to make good decisions along the way. Again, decisions in regards to your career or marriage and family, school, changing careers, stocks, insurance, and loans, all of these things influence your bottom line. Life today can seem like we are playing the game of life, and our culture is definitely playing it. How do I get ahead? How do I get, how do I get it all? Do I have the latest and greatest? Why do I not have the latest and greatest? And we come up with strategies on how to gain wealth and strategies on how to use wealth. Here's the thing. When we think about following Jesus, when we think about beginning a life to him, Jesus not only changes the game, he throws the game out. He gives us a completely new way of life. He gives us a new outlook on everything. He, when Jesus saves you, he changes your standing before God. You are redeemed. You are a child of God. But he also gives us a new outlook, a new way of living, a new way of going about our day-to-day life. And, we have, and in that, we have a new goal, a new motivation in life, a new strategy on how to live. That affects everything. And so in the same way that it affects how we spend our time and our relationships, our decisions, it also affects our finances. And so today we're going to look at how does another, another aspect building off of what we talked about last week, what does it look like to work out a holy life when it comes to our finances? This is one of the things that we keep coming back to in this series that we've been in for about seven weeks is that uh, the New Testament tells us work at living a holy life. Work at living a holy life, this life that God has called us to. So how does that, what does that look like in our finances? And so again, we're going to look at two stories today. And the first one that we're going to spend the most of our time in has to do with the Macedonians who are mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Who were they? Well, the ancient Macedonians would have been found today in the area of northern Greece. Paul first brought the gospel to Macedonia early in his ministry, and he established churches there. In fact, three of our New Testament letters are sent to churches in Macedonia, 1 and 2 Thessalonians and the Philippians. Let there be light. Um, That's a lot. Um, They were small churches, and though we don't know the details as to why, we know that they were apparently, they went through a lot of persecution for their faith. It was not easy to follow Jesus where they were. And so it's in their story that we hear how Jesus changes the game, destroys the game of life, and guides us in how to live, holy, how to be, have holy living when it comes to our finances. And so I'm going to read uh, the first five verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their affliction, Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so Paul's writing this letter to this church in Corinth saying, you all need to learn from the Macedonians. 
You need to take their example. Because what we're seeing here is we are seeing a group of people who are living holiness and not going along with the game of life when it comes to their finances. And we see differences. What I want to do is I want to compare. When we think about what we see in the Macedonians and what we see in our culture, what are the differences in those two things? What are the differences between playing the game of life in our culture and the Macedonians living holy? Well, the first thing we're going to see between these two is that in the game of life, the game of life is summarized by selfishness, but holy living is summarized by generosity. It it says in those first five verses that they overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. The word generous means simple heart, undivided heart. It speaks of having a single focus. A godly life has Jesus as our prime focus. That means nothing else receives the kind of devotion or worship or anything that comes to him. And so if I am undivided in my heart toward Jesus because my devotion isn't on my money, isn't on my resources, then I'm able to come alongside someone, something that's good with uncompromised motives. Because my heart is gripping Jesus tightly It holds my stuff loosely, and I can be generous with others. And so the game of life never thinks about being generous. It's about selfishness. It's about acquiring. It's about having the most. I mean, think about playing that game. At any point, did you ever give to somebody else in that game? No way, because you don't want them to have more than you, right? The only way that you would give is if it had some type of strings attached. The whole idea was to uh, take, but holy living is I have such a grip on Jesus that my resources are held loosely. And so when I come to somebody, I interact with somebody, I can be, give freely, I can be generous. The second difference we see between the game of life and holy living is that game of, the game of life, generosity, is dependent on a situation, but in living holy, genero- generosity happens regardless of circumstances. It says, in a severe test of affliction, they were generous. Holy living generosity doesn't wait for things to get better. It doesn't wait for a financial cushion to be in place. It doesn't wait for the unknown to become a little clearer. It's an issue of trust. And because the Macedonians trusted in God and their confidence is in God and not in their circumstances, they were able to be generous. It wasn't an issue of everything's okay. It's an issue of we have been given so much from the Lord. And regardless of the hard times we're going through, we want to come alongside and be generous with others. And so game of life, generosity is dependent on a situation. Holy living, generosity happens regardless of the circumstances. Next one, in the game of life, wealth is the end game. But in holy living, wealth is a means to an end. It says that they were, uh, it says begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I mean, in the game of life, it's I inevitably want, I want, to get, I want to get all I can. I want to get everything I can. And regardless of what that means for other people, and that might be an extreme sense, but I want to get everything that I can, regardless of what I do to people, regardless of what compromises I have to be, and we see that happening in our world today. People just get, 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 and eventually, eventually potentially becoming alone because it's all about you. Ecclesiastes reflects this. It says, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person 
who has no other, either son or brother. Yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Ecclesiastes is describing the person that's so consumed with just getting that it's destroying every aspect of their life. But with holy living, holy living doesn't look in, doesn't look about what I can get. Holy living is looking out. Wealth isn't a tool. Wealth is something that is utilized. It's not who I am, and it's not what I'm trying to become. Next thing, the game of life. Living gives with what's, from what's left. Holy living gives first. It says, for they, in that section we read, it says, for they gave according to their means and beyond their means of their own accord. The game of life, the game of life living might be generous by giving you the change that's in their pocket. Holy living is committed to, be, to being generous before anything else and even beyond anything else. In the late 1800s and the early 1900s, some people had an interesting idea on how to support and encourage missionaries who were overseas. Tea was a big deal then, and tea bags were not available to many missionaries. And so, let's send them some tea. But the way that they would do that is that people would take their used tea bags, they would then dry them out, and then send them to the missionaries in the field. And when the missionaries in the field would get them, because they'd already been used, wet, and then dried out, they would get them moldy and musty. Hey, thanks for your encouraging tea shipment here. The reality is that when we just give God our leftovers, that's what's happening. Rather than leading with generosity, leading with, I'm going to give out of the means of which he's given me. The Macedonians gave first. They gave according to their means. The last thing, game of life living is full of stress and holy living is full of joy. When you're focused on stuff, then it's inevitably it's going to just return. The return on your investment is a stress-filled life. When you're focused on Jesus and others, then an, an unending joy is your return. When you think about these two ways of life, the game of life living and holy living, they are two different, completely different outlooks. And so, can you go to the next one? So when you see these two spectrums of how people can be, game of life summarizes selfish, generosity is dependent on circumstances, wealth is an end game, giving from what's left, full of stress, or living a holy life where you're defined by generosity, you're generous regardless of the circumstances. Wealth is a means to an end. I'm giving first, and all of this is just a process of being full with joy. When we see those two descriptions of people, which describes your heart? Which do you resonate with? If we were honest with ourselves, which one of these? Is your life living one of a game of life mentality? Or are you following a holy living mentality? Generosity is a primary litmus test of our faith. Generosity is a symptom of faith. It says in this portion that we read about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Because they have received the grace of God, generosity came out. The fact that they were being so generous showed that they were in tune with the reality of all that God had given them. Remember what we've been saying, Jesus changes everything. He changes us 
He does that. We don't. God has no need of anything. He gives out of the abundance of who he is. In him, we have no need of anything. And so we can be generous out of the abundance of who he is and all that he's given us. This type of generosity, that the holy living generosity, comes out of the grace of God which we have received. David Garland says that material wealth may cloak spiritual poverty. We try to obtain and get and hoard so much because there's something else going on in here. And the reality is, is that we haven't received the grace of God. We haven't allowed Jesus to change us and give us the life that our heart longs for. How you, if we're holding on and clinging to the stuff of this world, it might be because we don't have any hope beyond this world. And the reality is, is that Jesus wants to give you life. Jesus wants to give you joy. Jesus wants to give you hope. And the thing, all the stuff of this world cannot give us what he can. He wants to give you life, the life that your heart craves, the life you were meant to have, the life that you were designed for, to be full of life in him. When Jesus is our everything, generosity becomes natural. And if so, if generosity isn't natural, we just have to ask two honest questions. One, is Jesus in me? If generosity is something that you struggle with, if it's something that you avoid, you have to ask yourself, do you truly have a relationship with Jesus? Because a relationship with Jesus bleeds generosity. It just overflows in, in generosity. Or is Jesus not your primary focus right now? We get off focus. We get off kilter. We don't realize that we're compromising in areas that are really battle for our soul. Have you taken your eyes off of the Lord and trying to trust in other things, tangible things, worldly things, rather than in him? Luke 16, it says, no servant, Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters, for either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so when we get our eyes off of him onto our stuff, our hearts get out of kilter. Who is your heart focused on? And is proof of that coming in the generosity that overflows from your life? Jesus changes the game. It's all about grace and generosity now. And so if generosity is our new outlook, then how do we live and act generous? So the, the Macedonians showed us the reality of a living a holy life in generosity. Well, then how do we follow their example? Well, first off, this. We have to have expectant generosity. Believe that God is going to use your gifts. It says in chapter 9, verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you you've, think about um, if you were to interact with a farmer and you, were to, uh, and you met a farmer and they had a thousand acres of land, but they didn't plant on any of it other than maybe a little garden behind their house. They just had all of this, this land. They never did anything with it. They just planted in one small portion. That would make no sense. That would seem like, why, isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? Because that's the key. The farmer gathers seeds and plants the seeds and plants them expectantly. I'm putting all of this out here. I want to see a harvest. I want to see a return on what I'm doing. The farmer plants a seed and he's expecting, a, a, plants a lot of seeds and he's expecting a lot of harvest. 
When we think about our resources, when we think about what God has given us, when we are generous with them, are we expectant? Are we expecting God to do something? Again, not of our wealth, not we're trying to, this is us doing thing, anything, not we're trying to buy an outcome or anything, but are we expectant of people knowing Jesus? Are we expectant of people finding life with Jesus, experiencing the goodness of the Lord? I'm being generous in this way to this people, to this group, to this place, because I want to see the gospel go forth. We have to have that mentality. I'm being generous because I expect people to know Jesus, because I expect his name to be proclaimed, because I expect people to experience the goodness of the Lord. Do you have expectancy in your generosity? The second thing that the Macedonians tell us uh, practically is to have intentional generosity. Make a cheerful giving commitment. It says in um, verse 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That it's, a, it's an individual choice. This isn't something that you should, we should get, feel beat up over or feel guilty or anything like this. I mentioned that last week, that we do everything we can not to make a huge big deal about finances in this church. One, we know how inappropriately some other churches in our world can do that, and we don't ever want to come across in that manner. We want to have full transparency about everything. That's why we had Ed share about our budget and everything last week and made that available. And that's always available. If anybody ever has any questions, you can email. Uh, if you email it to me, I'll send things to our leadership team or the email in the back of the bulletin. We always want to be transparent about everything because we want people to feel, not to feel reluctant about giving within this community. At any place else that you give, you, want to be, you don't want to do that reluctantly or with trepidation. We want to be able to do it with a good conscience and freely, wanting to make sure that things are being used for the Lord. Another verse, Paul says in the other letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 16, it says, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Again, if you missed it last week, we specifically talked about being good stewards of our resources. Um, and the things we talked about is the Bible calls us to be responsible, intentional, and missional. And I would argue that one of the reasons why maybe you struggle with being generous or feel like you can't be generous with your resources is because you don't have a handle on them. You don't have them, you don't have any system, budget, any sense of intentionality or responsibility to know what's being spent or why it's being spent or should that be spent. The less in tune we are with our, what we have, then the more that we're apt to grip things in stress rather than being able to release in generosity. And so this is one of the reasons why we need to have such a, a sense of responsibility and intentionality with how we manage our resources. Because by doing that, it lets us see the means by which we can be generous, and then beyond our means, we can be generous. And so thinking about intentional generosity, generosity should be planned. So that's why we talked about the 10-10-80 last week. Ten, give 10%, save 10%, and then live on 80%. But get, uh, generosity should always also be spontaneous. The Macedonians gave according to their means, according to that 
that 10%, that 80%, but they gave beyond that. And so does that describe, am I intentional with my resources? Another thing that they show us is being having a confident generosity. Trust that God is going to take care of you. 2 Corinthians 9 says, and, uh, verses 8 and 10, through 10 say, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He also supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your, of your righteousness." communicating God's care for us, God's awareness of us. David Garland says this, Reluctancy to sow generously reflects a refusal to trust that God is all-sufficient and all-gracious. It also assumes that we can only give when we are prospering and have something extra that we will not need for ourselves. Paul says that at all times, God provides us with all that we need so that there is never any time when we cannot be generous. And so when we're reluctant to be generous with others, we have to ask ourselves, is it, do I believe that God wants to care for me? Do I believe that God knows best? Do I believe that God is good? And, can, and within trusting that he cares for me, can I be a part of how he's caring for somebody else? When our confidence is in our finances, we are asking for stress and disappointment. But when our confidence is in God, then we have peace and hope. The first causes us to hoard our wealth, but the second frees us up to be generous. And then the last thing they show us is that they show us to be expectant, intentional, confident, and then again, missional. Invest in new stories being written. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 11 to 14. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be, to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. He says you're going to be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. We're equipped, we're blessed, we're given to so that we can be generous for others. For what purpose? So that we will produce thanksgiving to God. Have you ever had somebody that's been generous to you? where somebody gave to you, they provided something for you, and have you ever specifically been in that situation where you didn't know how it was going to work out, but then because of the generosity of somebody, you got through it? Has anybody ever been in that situation? And what do we say in those moments? Thank you, Lord. We are grateful to God. We are grateful to God for this person. We're grateful to God for how he provided. We're grateful to God for knowing what we needed. And that's the whole point of this, is that when we are generous with other people, it produces gratefulness to God in their hearts. They're going to have an awareness, a sensitivity to the reality of God because of our generosity. It says they will glorify God because of your submission. The moments that even when it's hard, when we're generous, and that helps come along somebody where they're at, 
It's going to let God be known in those moments. Every moment of giving is the writing of a new testimony of thanks. When you give, when you are generous with somebody, you are creating a new story of somebody experiencing the goodness of God, being able to express gratitude to God, experience who He is and His grace. It's why Paul said to the Philippians, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He was thankful to God for this church because of how generous they were and how they helped him present, uh, spread and share the gospel with the world. We need to have a missional generosity. When we think about our stuff, are we expectant? Are we intentional? Are we confident? And are we missional? So we have these Macedonians, just like Paul told the Corinthian church, you need to learn from their example. That comes to us as well, and it's New Life Lincoln Park. We need to learn from their example. Are we working at a holy life, one of generosity, and then living that out expectantly, intentionally, confidently, and missionally? Again, that's the first story. I want to take this, and I want to end with a last story. And this has to do with a little old lady that Jesus interacted with one day. If you look at Luke 20, so we're going to flip over to the Gospels right now. Again, it'll be on the screen if you just want to look up there. But Luke 20 uh, says this, In the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplace and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feast, who devour widows' houses, And for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus is talking about people in that time, specifically religious leaders, but talking about people who are all about the show. They're full of pride. These are game of life people. These are the people that are trying to uh, present themselves in a certain way. So really that game of life, reminiscent of our culture type of outlook. Then in the next portion, beginning of chapter one, it says this, Jesus looked up. And saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And so what happens is that Jesus is in the temple. He's he's there teaching. And uh, um, during this time, they would have had maybe a box. Um, Other times, it looks like maybe a trumpet type of a thing. But they would have a box and people could come and they could put their offerings in the box. And some of the coins during that time, can you put that picture of the coins up? They would have been coins made of bronze, excuse me, not bronze, made, yeah, made of bronze, made of silver, maybe sometimes gold. These would have been coins during Jesus' time. And so, you know, size of a quarter, maybe a little bit bigger than that. But the, the image here is that when the text says, he saw rich putting their gifts into the offering box, it's literally like they were throwing their coins into the offering box. It's like these rich people are coming in, they're going up to the box, and they're putting in their gift. And making sure everybody can hear it, that type of a thing. And so all these rich people want you to know, hey, look what I gave. Now, I just want to clarify, this is from the Moss coin jug right now, and these are not gold, silver coins. I'm just creating an ambiance here within this. And so these people are making it known. Look what I'm giving. 
But then this poor widow. That's not helpful. It's kind of anticlimactic when you can't get it open. Then this, what, then what it says is this poor widow just tink, tink. And you maybe didn't even hear it. Maybe no one even heard it. But this woman brings in these two little copper coins. It would have been one 128th of a day's labor. And so the two little copper coins that she gave, think about your workday and think about what you made, what that would be, and then divide it by 128 and, 128, and that's what she threw into the thing. And so Jesus says to them, For truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. So not only is she a poor widow, she is like a really poor widow. Because all that she has to live on is like less than two pennies. And she puts those in. Jesus wasn't impressed with the amount of other people's gifts. He was impressed with the heart of her gift. Because again, they might have been throwing in handfuls, but was it really a sacrifice? Was it really generous for the billionaire who says that they gave $20,000? Is that a generous sacrificial gift? I mean, it's a lot. It's great. But comparatively speaking, does it challenge them? And so for her to take everything that she has and brings in this one small gift and says, I want to worship in this manner, and I'm not going to not worship because of my circumstances, Jesus says, that's a holy life. That, that woman had holy generosity. And so you have to ask yourself, this is why, so the, you were given uh, one of these coins. I'm not going to try to find, oh, there it is. You were given one of these when you came in. This is a replica of that coin. And so I got these for all of you last time I was in Israel. And so that little coin represents for her sacrifice. That little coin for her represented trust. That little coin for her represented was worship. For her, that little coin was wanting to trust God and be faithful to God. And all of that was seen in generosity. And so I want you to take that coin and as you go this week, and we get for every one of these messages, we've been giving a challenge, and we've been thinking through, okay, how do we put these steps into place? And so for generosity, I want you to revisit what we talked about last week. We talked about the 10-10-80 principle, just getting your mind around your resources. What does that look like? Do you, do, are you making room for generosity, intentional generosity in your life? And Does your generosity reflect this kind of a heart? And then the other thing I want you to think about is when are moments, be mindful and looking for a moment over the course of this next week or two where you can be spontaneously generous with somebody. 
And I, I want to challenge you, though. Not just, I'm going to buy coffee for the person behind me at Starbucks or something like that. I'm talking about, do you actually see a need? Do you, see, have, do you hear about a need? Do you see a need? Does something come up that you can be spontaneously generous? Uh, I think about like moments like that, like for us, like what we do, like a lot of times um, my kids will have um, uh, sporting, they'll, they'll go out to eat for sporting events or they'll do, um, uh, they're all going to go on a trip, like a field trip, whatever, and the, the, the class says bring, bring money for lunch or bring money for something. And so we'll say, hey, if any kids can't go, would you please let us know? We don't want anybody to not be able to participate. That's spontaneously giving outside of our normal giving type of a thing. What type of thing like that do you see? And be mindful of that. Be ready for that. Pray for that. God, show me an opportunity to be spontaneously generous with somebody that out of beyond even within my means, but even outside of my means, I want to come alongside and give to them. We need to be investing in the gospel. We need to be expectant of people to coming to know him. We need to be reflecting the generosity and the grace of God which he has given us to others. And this of the Macedonians give us really, really good specifics on what that looks like. But this little old lady gives us the ultimate picture. And may your, may your generosity be in line with hers. It's not so much about the amount. It's about the sacrifice, the worship. And that's what God wants from us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your generous spirit toward us. You give and you give and you provide and you bless. God, help us to be grateful for that. God, I help you. I pray that you would help us to be honest about our lives. The mo- let us see and be real about the things that we stress about, the things that we cling to, the things that we grip that aren't you. God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust your wisdom. Help us to be intentional and responsible with our resources and our finances. Help us, God, to be generous people. Give us opportunities to show generosity to others. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone, let's close, stand, and we'll close with this last song.